Hello and welcome. I'm Sri Roy with Sleep Review, and I'm thrilled to be here with neurologist, sleep specialist, Yi Devilliers, MD, PhD, professor of neurology and physiology at the University of Montpellier, France. His research focuses on the diagnosis, epidemiology, pathophysiology, and therapy of sleep disorders, particularly neurological disorders such as idiopathic hypersomnia, narcolepsy, and restless-like syndrome. This episode is sponsored by Jazz Pharmaceuticals. Today we are chatting about differential diagnosis of idiopathic hypersomnia. Idiopathic hypersomnia can be particularly challenging to diagnose because of its lack of specific biomarkers, as well as its symptoms resembling those of other disorders. How do you differentiate idiopathic hypersomnia from hypersomnias of a specific cause, such as narcolepsy type 1 and type 2, insufficient sleep syndrome, or hypersomnia due to a neurodegenerative disease? Yes, this is the, the very important point. Uh, the first step is to make a good clinical interview for specific symptoms, namely cataplexy, because that exists only in narcolepsy type 1. You need also to look for hypnagogic hallucinations, sleep paralysis that exist in narcolepsy type 1 and type 2. If you want to focus a lot on IH, is mostly uh, the long sleep duration, so-called hypersomnia, and excessive daytime sleepiness that is shared by narcolepsy type 1 and type 2 as well. But they are often not refreshed in the morning and after naps in the context of IH. So this is the, the, the first step. And also to, you need to exclude for sure sleep deprived, so chronic sleep deprived, and also comorbid condition, psychiatric condition, neurological condition with headache, migraine, Parkinson's disease, uh, traumatic brain injury. So every disorder that may mimic or be associated with the complaint of excessive daytime sleepiness. So this is the clinical interview. And the second step is to perform MSLT uh, to look for this, this sleepiness and the dysregulation of REM sleep. This is the pattern of narcolepsy, type 1, type 2. And for IH, the long sleep duration during the night and sometimes even during the day. And, and in this second step, you will exclude sleep disorder breathing. You will exclude uh, uh, a, a lot of uh, disorder that may mimic, you know, this uh, hypersomnolence. And the third step, sometimes you need to go a little bit further with orexin measurement within the CSF, uh, with the lumbar puncture. You, need, you can also prescribe HLA if it's HLA DQB1 or 602 for the narcolepsy and for the neurogenerative disorder you can perform also some uh, MRI or CT scan if there is some uh, neurological condition such as headache or some uh, um, abnormal uh, in your neurological exam. So uh, there is three steps. First clinical interview, second is sleep lab assessment and third is depending on the the context, uh, cases by cases, if you need to do for a uh, biological or uh, neuroimaging uh, biomarker. A minority of people simply need to sleep longer than most, even 10 hours or more to feel refreshed. How do you determine if that applies to a given person who may not have a sleep disorder at all? 
Yes, you really need to differentiate what is long sleeper and what is IH. Because long sleeper, you know, that exists is extreme uh, normal variant, I may say. So the patient can, not the patient, but the subject can sleep 9, 10, 11 hours. Mostly they are young. They, and um, they have no complaint during the day. They, they sleep more than expected. But at, at the end, you know, they, they feel refreshed in the morning and they can uh, have a, a, a normal uh, daily life. There is no sleepiness during the day. In contrast, IH subject will sleep as long as this long sleeper, more than nine hours, sometimes 10, 12, even more. But they have also sleep inertia in the morning and um, they have uh, long naps during the day with excessive determined sleepiness. So that's really different story. The patient with long sleep only, so it's not the patient, it's the subject, will never go to see you, except, and this is a little bit more complex, if they are sleep deprived. Because most of daily life, you cannot sleep 10 hours or 11 hours. So if you need that, but you cannot, because you need to wake up to work, you will be sleep deprived. Uh, because when we say sleep deprived, mostly seven hours. If you have seven hours of sleep, you are not sleep deprived. But if you need 10 and you can sleep just eight, you will be sleep deprived by two hours. So the story is always complex, you know, and what is sleep deprived? It, depend, it depends on your biological need, and that may change uh, and evolve, you know, with decades. If you are 20 years old or 40 years old, your need may, may differ as well. How do you differentiate idiopathic hypersomnia from hypersomnia comorbid to psychiatric disorders, such as prolonged sleep time tied to depression? Yes, uh, again, for this important uh, um, question, you need, again, a two-step assessment. The first is a good clinical interview. You need to look for depression. could be major depressive disorder, could be bipolar disorder. And to do so, uh, you need uh, also, in addition to your clinical interview, uh, the help of some questionnaires, such as the Beck depressive inventory, as an example, to quantify these depressive symptoms. And if the depression is uh, the as a first step, as the major symptoms, often you need to manage depression as a first step. Sometimes it's comorbid to hypersomnia and you need to go to the second step to record sleep in the lab during the night, during the day, and to be sure that there is no hypersomnia that may be again comorbid with depression. Uh, one example, the patient is with IH for decades or for at least several years without any diagnosis, without any uh, correct management, it can be depressed. So because of this disorder, which is not diagnosed and not managed correctly. So it's not because depression exists that there is no IH. So, uh, but often it's not exactly the same, you know, uh, uh, big uh, symptoms as a primary complaint. And if the, you record the sleep and you have long sleep duration during the night and long naps and non-refresh after having two hours or three hours of nap, it will be IH. So we do have some biomarker in terms of neurophysiological assessment of IH. And for uh, depression, 
if you put patient with depression in a lab, he will have very bad sleep at night and in between sleepiness during the day. There are some complaints, but it's not objectively assessed. We'll be right back with Dr. Devillier after the short break. This episode is sponsored by Jazz Pharmaceuticals. Jazz Pharmaceuticals is a global biopharmaceutical company with a focus in neuroscience and sleep medicine, committed to improving the lives of patients and their families. Jazz is also the proud creator of SleepCountsHCP.com. The goal of SleepCountsHCP.com is to increase awareness of idiopathic hypersomnia and support symptom recognition to help patients receive a quality diagnosis and appropriate disease management. SleepCountsHCP.com provides evidence-based educational materials and resources to improve communication between healthcare professionals and their patients. Visit JazzPharma.com and SleepCountsHCP.com for more information. At what point in ruling out other disorders should objective sleep testing, such as polysomnography and multiple sleep latency testing, be done? Yes, that's the excellent point. When you have in mind that uh, sleepiness is uh, really the primary complaint of the subject, long sleep at night and sleepiness during the day, you need all the time to confirm this hypersomnia so the long sleep duration, so-called hypersomnia, and the daytime sleepiness. You need to do that for all subjects. And if your test is abnormal, you will confirm the hypersomnia and or the excessive daytime sleepiness. And the second step is why. Uh, and if uh, the patient is affected with a comorbid disorder, uh, such as depression, you can explain to the subject that he may be affected with both conditions. If there is just this hypersomnia and or excessive daytime sleepiness, but no uh, neurogenative disorder, no psychiatric disorder, no uh, substance intake, it will be called idiopathic. So IH, idiopathic hypersomnia. So it's two steps. First is to confirm the diagnosis of hypersomnolence, so hypersomnia and or excessive daytime sleepiness. And second is to be sure of the term idiopathic to exclude other disorders that may better explain this uh, hypersomnolence. Why is idiopathic hypersomnia sometimes confused with sleep breathing disorders? When would you recommend a CPAP trial to address possible apneas, hypopneas, or respiratory event-related arousals? Yes, good point as well. Uh, we already touched that a bit with the, the second part of idiopathic, you know. You can have a long sleep duration and especially excessive daytime sleepiness associated with mild, moderate AHIs. Mostly it's not severe, the AHI, but in mild, moderate cases with uh, sleep disorder breathing, it could be associated with excessive daytime sleepiness for sure because it's a part of the sleep disorder breathing symptoms. So uh, how to be sure that uh, uh, hypersomnolence is due to IHI uh, or due to idiopathic condition, there is two steps as well. The first is a good clinical interview. We are doctors. We need to focus on good clinical interview. Mostly IHR, young female, 
they are lean, they are not obese, and they start the disease around 15, 20 years old. But if they are not diagnosed because it's an orphan disease after 20 years of evolution, you can't hit a patient after four, around 40 years old with a 20 years of history of this disorder. And at that time, they can be a little bit overweight or even obese. But when these disorders start, when excessive daytime sleepiness start, so you need to focus on this long history of the clinical symptoms. And in uh, cases of doubt, because sometimes it's not like for depression we discuss, sometimes you have in mind it could be both problem. So abnormal HI, so OSA subject, and hypersomnolence. If you have some doubt, you propose the treatment of OSAS with a CPAP machine and you reassess the hypersomnia and the excessive daytime sleepiness just to confirm this if this problem persists. And if that persists, it could be IH as well. How do you distinguish chronic fatigue syndrome from idiopathic hypersomnia? The first point I want to raise is, again, we need to objectify the excessive daytime sleepiness and the hypersomnia. Excessive daytime sleepiness is often uh, done in many sleep labs because of the MSLT, but the long sleep duration at night, you need to do that a 24 hours uh, uh, continuous recording uh, to quantify the total sleep time. And this is rarely done in US lab because of the, the cost and uh, the insurance company that will not cover that in routine. I insist on that because if there is hypersomnolence disorder, so hypersomnia and or excessive time sleepiness, it's not fatigue. It's hypersomnolence. The, st the story is a little bit more complex because fatigue may coexist with uh, hypersomnolence, but it's not alone. You know, if there is no hypersomnia, no excessive daytime sleepiness, it cannot be IH. It is fatigue. But you can have fatigue associated with hypersomnia. So uh, to, to separate, to quantify, to differentiate chronic fatigue syndrome and IH is, again, the second step to confirm existence of abnormal excessive daytime sleepiness and or abnormal hypersomnia. And so the first step is to listen to the patient, to look for the sleep inertia, the brain fog, the fatigue, the daytime sleepiness, but second is to confirm which objective assessment. And in the case of chronic fatigue syndrome, there are nothing abnormal related to sleep. Thank you so much for chatting with us about differential diagnosis. You can find Sleep Review at sleepreviewmag.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode.